Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz. Hey, Liz. Hello. So I'm super excited to share a very special guest that we have today. We are honored to have Angela Loeb as our guest today. Angela is the founder of NSYNC Resources, where she uses her creativity and deep understanding of the job search process to help people in career transition. Uh, Angela is the person that I refer my clients to, to for resume work. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've seen her work. Uh, it's quality. Angela is also a writer. She has published over 500 articles and three books on topics such as job search, career, and life purpose. She's also an accomplished podcaster, Mm -hmm. and we know this is bound to be a must-listen to episode. So welcome, Angela. Please feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe share a little bit about your career journey because I think it's a really interesting one. Thank you, Kat. I'm excited to be here. You guys are great, and I've been... I think we've had this on the book for more than a month. Mm-hmm. I think we've been back and forth yeah. talking about this for maybe more like six months. So I'm really glad we're getting together finally to do this. Yeah, I've been doing career work in some form or another for about 30 years. So, gosh, I was just talking about that too today with a client. And I think it's been since 1990 that I kind of got into this work. And How? I, Well, the first thing I started doing was helping people apply for, get into, and get financial aid for, for beauty college. This was in the inner city in Greensboro, North Carolina. A lot of folks were coming to the program with, you know, aid to family with dependent children, single mothers trying to get off welfare and trying to like, you know, eke out a career for themselves. And so I interviewed them and signed them up for classes. And Yeah. Nepotism works. My mom helped me get that job because my mom was a hairdresser then later became a teacher and then later became the director of this 15 school company in North Carolina. So yeah, it was a really cool experience for a couple of years. And then I fell into recruiting and I just happened to answer an ad for a job, which is interesting because how many times do I tell people day in and day out, not to just apply for ads online or (laughs) advertise jobs. But that's how I got, yeah, that's how I got into recruiting. And I did that for almost 15 years. And I thought I was going to be doing it for a little longer until the Great Recession happened in in 2009. And the universe said, nah, nah, you're not going to do this for a few more years. Now is the time. I had already written a book. I had already started doing a workshop from the recruiter's point of view, advising job seekers. I was doing a half-day seminar with two other experts. We started a podcast and, oh my gosh, Liz and Kat, back then we didn't call it that. We called it online radio. Oh yeah. And (laughs) And it was and it was blog talk radio. And I had so, one of those too. I had one of those yes. too. Yes. And so I did that with some co-hosts and we interviewed people and we did probably about 50 of those programs. Um, and they were really popular because we were at the height of the recession. And anyway, that was a really crazy time. And I fully transitioned into this work that I was trying to transition to. Like I said, the universe said, here. Let's move you into it a lot faster than you think. So here I am. I've been doing resume writing. Oh, I was doing that even when I was a recruiter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, 2006, I went to my manager and we, we have all these great candidates and their resumes just look like crud, you know, mm-hmm. and we are always having to advise them on their resumes. I think I might want to write resumes like on the side. What do you think? She said, I love it. And she sent me my first client. Oh, that's cool. That's great. So you were an external recruiter, not an internal recruiter. I was always external, a third-party recruiter, headhunter. I hate mm-hmm. that term. It makes me sound like I'm shrinking heads in the Amazon somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I was always resistant to actually going internally into HR in a company and kind of getting stuck there. I really love the dynamic of talking to multiple people doing multiple types of jobs. And, and of course, I get to still do that in my work today. So. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you went out on your own, because to go from being internal to being an entrepreneur or a solopreneur Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, like talk us through that decision and kind of beginning journey. Yeah. I credit that again to that manager who got me to do my first freelance resume. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was working for her, she actually was very ahead of her time. So back in 2006, she arranged it to where we could do some work from home. And we had a freeze day and we had this really weird day I don't know if you were in Austin at the time, because I live in the Austin, Texas area, Liz. And I don't know if you were at the time, but in 2006, we had this really weird thing happen where many birds died all at once. And they were all scattered around on the ground downtown. And so we thought, well, maybe there's some sort of toxic something or another. Stay home. Well, I found that I was so productive. And I credit my manager by showing me the way that I could... I could do this stuff and be at home. Mm-hmm. So I that I just basically kind of bit the bullet and tried it. The fortunate thing for me is that I didn't change my career and strike out on my own at the same time. Mm-hmm. I did it in steps. You did a side gig. That's what we tell people to do. If yeah. You do it, yeah. Like, start it on the side. I, when I was doing the resumes, it was the first time I ever like dealt with a person individual directly instead of a company. And I wanted to see how did it feel to invoice an individual and work mm-hmm. with an individual versus mm-hmm. invoicing companies, you know, it's so that different. Was, mm, it is different. It's really different. Yeah. So Especially was, a job seeker or someone who is looking or unemployed, it, given an invoice to Big Co, you're like, here you go, pay me up. And to yeah. someone who you know may be, yeah. you know, saving their pennies, it feels 100%. Yeah. And I'm super frugal myself. Mm-hmm. I'm also very much a do-it-yourself person. So um, I tell people this all the time. I say, look, I appreciate the fact that you may just want me to give you advice and then you do it yourself because I enjoy consulting, advising, teaching people how to do it. You know, the old saying, teach a person to fish and they can feed themselves for their own life. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that. So I always tell people, look, I can help advise you about what to do and then you take it and run with it. And I'm super happy because Mm -hmm. then you know what to do going forward. You'll have a branded document that you know how to use, a tool you know how to use, you understand who you are, boom, you're good to go. But I do come across a lot of people who are super busy and also are just feeling like this is not my skill to actually Mm -hmm. work on my resume and think about my branding. For those folks, actually offering 
where I am doing the heavy lifting for them and actually doing resume writing for them. But it is a co-writing process. They don't just get off easy and answer yes or no questions on a questionnaire. Mm -mm. It's a more of an essay question type of worksheet that they get. So it's work. It's work to put together your resume, even if you work with someone like Angela, who I highly Mm -hmm. recommend, Um, because she's going to ask you questions that you wouldn't even think of to yourself, which is the, the advantage of working with someone who's a professional. And at the end yeah. of the, at the end of the day, you're going to end up with a, with a beautiful high quality resume that you can feel confident sending that resume to any company that you are interested in. But, but yes, we can do our own resumes. And it's, if you, if you do your own resume, it's really a good idea to get someone else to look at it as well, to get a couple of other sets of eyes on it. If you're not working with a professional. Yeah. And I think one of the things I like to tell people all the time, and it's a running joke, but it's so true. You can ask 50 people and get a hundred different opinions about your resume too. And you can ask me and I can tell you three different ways to format it, configure it. And this depends on really what you're trying to do and Mm -hmm. who your target is, who, who's going to read it, who's going to digest it. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a recruiter? Is it going to be the hiring manager? Is it going to be mm-hmm. a C-suite professional making the decision when they see your information? Mm-hmm. And the resume isn't going to get you the job. It's just supposedly to help pave the way for a conversation. And it's really the interview that's going to get you the job anyway. So to bring people through a process of understanding what is it that you do that where you really add value? And this is not just a simple biography of your background. You are marketing you. So how do we put together something that positions you just like you have to position a product or a service to take it to market? You have to do that for yourself. So would you call that, would you call that their, their values proposition, Angela? I like to use that term a lot. Sometimes people call it branding statement. Sometimes on a resume, we'll have, we even use some, I borrow terminology from marketing all the time because it is what it is because, yeah. So I say you have to have a positioning statement. Just like a product or service has a positioning statement to describe Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit more in there around like branding yourself on your resume and off your resume, like how you show resume readers what you can do for your next company. Because you've got a ton of resources on your website, which is fantastic. But like talk a little bit about personal brand. Like I'm a back-end software engineer. Like Mm-hmm. branding schmanding like I put in Python <laughs> what, what what you know like tell me more yeah so when I talk to sales and marketing professionals they totally uh, like oh I'm all over this I get the yeah. sales this branding stuff mm-hmm. when I talk to uh like you said you know technical professionals accounting professionals engineers just anyone who's not doing sales and marketing and we're trying to figure out what how do you package yourself and present yourself Well, it would be nice if you could just do a biography of your background. And, you know, we used to get away with that (laughs) back in the very, very old days. We used to get away with that, but we can't anymore. There's an expectation that you will kind of state in some way what it is that you do especially well. Now, you could do a lot of things very well. And then you can be very all over the place and mm-hmm. have way too much information that you're providing. I usually like to say, I like analogies. And so my favorite analogy is the food buffet, especially helpful when I'm talking to someone who has been in their career for a while. You have a lot of skills. You have a lot of experience. You have a lot of qualifications. What is it about yourself that you really want to emphasize? So you walk up to the food buffet and just imagine your buffet is all of those skills and qualifications. (laughs) How do you organize it in such a way that me, I don't 
I just want you to do what I want you to do at my company, but you want to be able to do what you want to do for that company. So how do you make it where the messaging is aligning to what it is you want and what they want? So what I usually suggest to folks is think about two or three things that you might put as your entree in the middle of the buffet and the rest of the information can be your side dishes. (laughs) So you really don't want to necessarily throw out that information, but you have to understand where does it go Mm -hmm. in the context of your social media profile and, or your resume. So you need to make sure you understand what is it that they really want to digest. So I really like that food analogy, that food buffet analogy. I like that too. Well, and it also helps you discern if a job is for you, right? Because if I look at a job post, I'm like, ooh, great company, but they want a side dish, not my main course. Right. Then it's not the right job for you because Mm -hmm. you want to do X and they really want someone to do Y and like you can do Y, but like not, not your cup of tea. So it also helps you look for main course on the buffet or middle of the plate or whatever you want to say matches. Yes. And so what I usually say is, look, guys, when you're, when when you're talking to me, where are you in the stage of your career transition? Are you still in this assessing stage where you're trying to figure out what it is that you do really well? What is it that you want out of this move? What is causing your dissatisfaction that you want to make a move? What's going on with you there? And once you've got that figured out, then you'll be ready for your resume. Because if you start with your resume during the assessing stage, all you're really doing is an inventory thing where you're just inventorying your skills and your background and your qualifications and kind of stick. It's like, I'm going to make a list of all the things I do in my job. That's all that is at that point. Yeah. When you get into the discernment of what is it that I do in my job that I really enjoy doing, that I want to keep doing, that I get results doing it. So I'm going to have a really easy time of explaining this and selling it, quote unquote, but also to it is what they want, it is what the market wants. It's mm-hmm. what the employer wants too. So all that has to really line up. Yeah. And once you've got that clarity in that assessing stage, then you're ready for messaging because then you'll know, I'll know how to help you package it and target mm-hmm. it. If you don't know who's, it's kind of like if you go to market with a product and you just say, everybody's going to want this pencil. I just know this is a pencil that every single Man, woman, and child is going to want this pencil. Well, you know, to brand something means that you figure out what, who in the market really wants the pencil. Is it really best suited for children? As a result, you then focus everything as the child market would want that pencil. Sure. So if you're a DevOps person or you're a coder, you don't want to put a lot of adjectives in your resume. Because the people looking at your resume don't care about all those adjectives. They don't like adjectives. They want the skills. You got to know who your audience is. Yes. I don't have a blanket approach to everybody that I work with. It's really Mm -hmm. more, I have to ask you, what is it that you're targeting? And if you say, "Um, um, I don't know, I haven't figured that out yet. I say, you're really not ready for your resume yet. Right. So, okay. So back up. So I come in, I'm like, I don't like what I do. I want to do something different. What do you want to do? I don't know. Which like, I love when people are like, I'm ready for a change. I don't know. 
what process do you take them through or what set, like, what's your next step with, yeah. I don't know I what them, I want to do I sent them to Kat. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what you should <laughs> talk do. to Kat. Yeah. Um, it sounds I, I have, like you need Kat for a while. I'll see you in a GIF. Now I have worked with some individuals that are close enough that we can figure it out. Like, so I said, well, let's go back in. If you did a career for 11, 12 years and you were pretty successful in it, even though you were knowing in your heart of hearts, this isn't your ultimate thing you want to do. You did enough of a good job that your employer kept you employed. So there must be something in it that you did where you showed up and this effectiveness you had. Let's don't just, pardon the cliche, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's really mine for the gold in there and find out what are the golden nuggets of your experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I think that's so great because people who come to me for career coaching, most of them, you know, may have a job that they're doing well in, but there's something that's missing. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times what's missing is feeling like that they really are making an impact or that they have meaning in their, you know, in their job. You know, that's why people like us are out there to help people yeah. find that clarity. Yeah. I've, you know, I want to talk a little bit about authenticity and branding and how that might change from your resume over to social media. Like, mm-hmm. how do you make sure to, to stay consistent across the mediums or, or do you even recommend that people stay consistent? I'd love to get your take on that. Oh, yes, I definitely do. A friend of mine who's been in recruiting for more than 30 years, he and I were having a conversation pre-pandemic um, about uh the use of social media and technology because Mm -hmm. he leads recruiting teams and mostly places in the technology realm of those types of jobs. And I was just curious about technology and the use of recruiting. And I said, so what happens with LinkedIn and what happens with these uh, tools that are out there? And he said, you know, I am opening a person's resume and I'm immediately not even past their contact information. And I'm also on my other screen, opening LinkedIn, Facebook, 100%. Instagram, everything. So yep. I can get a complete picture of this individual. So I am a very big believer in continuity of your messaging across your platforms. So making sure that you're not saying one thing about yourself on LinkedIn and another thing about yourself on your resume, because I just know they're going to go look and they're going to see it. Well, so, when it doesn't match yeah. up, red flags. And, you know, we just had an episode on background checks uh, that was inspired by a certain situation and it all didn't match up. And guess what? It didn't work out. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Right. And it's really easy to fix or to avoid. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, again, I'm a big believer in making sure that you're authentic. As a matter of fact, I think this, I don't even know, remember exactly the subtitle of my last book. I wrote it in 2014, but it's discover who you are and bring who you are to what you do in life yes. and work. So I'm a really big believer in then figuring it out, what it is that is your true value, but it's not just your value proposition to the organization you're working for. You're highly engaged in it because you can show up all day long and try to go for the gold star and the pat on the back and do a good job and be a team player and have pride for just doing that. But you actually ramp it up and you bring enthusiasm into it when you're discussing it, you will get animated in the interview when you're discussing what it is that really makes you highly engaged that you're good at doing. Absolutely. So that to me is where the authenticity comes from. And so again, if you walk up to the buffet 
and you see here are all my skills and qualifications. It's not recruiter. What do you want? I have all of this. Pick what you want and then tell me the job you want me to do. (laughs) It's more here, recruiter. I can do X, Y, and Z really, really well. And here's some supporting stories and successes that I've had to back it up. So if your organization needs that, here you go. Let's talk. That's the goal. What what you just said, Angela, because people people put together their resumes and I mean, how many times have we seen resumes that are job descriptions, mm-hmm. right? That they just copy their job description. <laughs> and that is not that is not going to get you the interview. You need to take the pieces of the job description that you do well and share a story about how you accomplished, you know, what, what you accomplished. So don't just do your job description. It's, it's, it's the worst resume out there if you do that. Although, Kat, remember when we had Kat Kippen on and they said that you want to look at the job description and make sure that your resume is saying bullet one, check, bullet two, check. And so... If you're, if you want to get past that three second screen, you want to make sure not word for word, cause that's plagiarism, but that your resume tells someone in three seconds or less. Yeah. I've got all the skills you need moving on. And, and it's not exactly plagiarism, Liz. It's more like panderism. Is yeah. that the word? Is that a word? Pandering. <laughs> um, I, I would hate to open up something and you put the headline and it's the exact title of the job. I mean, right. come on, yeah. show me that you have some cure uh, creativity here, a little bit of creativity. So I do think, yes, you do need to look at the job description, but a lot of people get into hot water there because what they'll do mm-hmm. is they'll look at all those intangible qualities that companies put in those job descriptions. And I know because I, I have written many job postings is that we just love putting team player, good communicator, um, all these things. But I can tell you what, if you put that on your resume and just put those things on your resume, it's gray noise to a recruiter. They just gloss right over it. They don't really look at it. Now, where you really make some impact with adjectives like that and intangibles is if you prove it. So if you can say to me, instead of I'm a results-driven individual, results-driven manager with X years experience in such and such, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But if you show me results, I'm going to like my, I'm going to take a double take because you're actually giving me a success story with some impact and results and metrics and numbers. And, oh, that's really jumping off the page. So you don't tell me your results driven, show me your results driven. You don't have to tell me that you go the extra mile. Give me a success that shows me how you've gone the extra mile and over delivered for a client or whatever. And by the way, if you prepare your resume like this, you're going to be so much more prepared for the interview because that's what you need to do in the interview. Yeah. You need to talk about your accomplishments and do it, do it in story format. We're human beings. We like stories. Yes. I, you know, I like to simplify things for some clients because like, for instance, I was working with a COO person a few years ago and I recognized when I was speaking with her, she was like, oh man, I haven't looked for a job in 14 years, Angela. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just feeling lost. And this is so ambiguous, all the things that, I mean, I hit a submit button for a job and I think I'm qualified and I don't hear anything. It's like, it's a black hole, you know? I mean, so Mm -hmm. she was very frustrated and not really understanding. I said, look, they have a hiring process and they follow processes in hiring as a job search, why can't you follow a process too? So I simplified it for her and I said, look, there's four major stages to your transition. There's assessing, which I've already talked with you guys a little bit about in this 
conversation. And then there's messaging where you get your resume and your profile and your verbal positioning correct, because guess what? What's your transition story? If a friend says, what are you looking for? How can I help you? Can you say it to them succinctly in like a few sentences without stumbling and bumbling and taking a half an hour to try to explain? I don't know. Um, So you really have to have your positioning, your messaging right. And then the third stage is strategies to uncover opportunities. And then the fourth stage is the interviewing process and, of course, salary negotiating, getting the offer, that kind of thing. But everything goes back to and it pivots from assessing. If you don't have the clarity about what your value proposition is, what your offer is, brand, if you want to call it that, what it is that you offer, what it is that you want, and who out there would want it, then how are you going to message it? And then how are you going to get to this third stage and figure out how to go about getting a job? Because if you can't identify who would likely hire you, you're not, your results can be very frustrating. So it's basically a roadmap to follow. There's activities you can do, proactive things you can do Mm -hmm. in each of those stages, but it all really pivots from setting a really good plan because you've done some homework on yourself Mm -hmm. and understanding what it is that you're wanting and what you're offering. That front end work. People don't, you know, mo- people don't realize how important it is and want to overlook it. And if a client isn't willing to do that front end work with me, I pass them along these days, you know, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Getting your resume, very important. And interview prep is very important. But if you, if you don't do that front end work mm-hmm. and really connect with what your strengths are and where you want to go, good luck with the rest of it. It just doesn't work as well. You got to spend that front end piece. And one of the ways that Liz and I try to help do that is on the Real Job Talk website, realjobtalk.com on the resources page. The first link is a must have list. And Mm -hmm. that takes you you through some questions that will help you to get clear on what it is that you need in your next role. And without having that clarity, you're just not going to land a job as quickly. It's just Mm -hmm. Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective. Hello. Begin with the end in mind. How can you get what it is you want if you haven't stopped for a moment to identify it? Because (laughs) otherwise, you're just the amoeba in the stream going along with the current and no control over your career. And you're letting others basically just slap you in this job, slap you in that job and slap you. And this is why people come to me so kind of distressed, burnt out over it all, right? You know, it's funny because we've just gone through something. Everybody calls it the great resignation. But you know what? I didn't get a lot of the great resignation in 2021. I got a lot of the great contemplation. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of people doing what a friend of mine calls belly button gazing, <laughs> 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 trying to figure out what is it that I really want in my life and with this job. Yes. And I mean, it was just these really it's- shaky to your core questions, right? And then, of course, obviously, you spend so much time at work, you're going to examine your work choices and decide that. And so does that lead to resignation? Does that, what does that lead to? Hopefully feeling more connected and that, that the work you're doing is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people want that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, 2020, 2021, we all world was on its ear. You know, a lot of people lost a lot of support system in the fact of like, help around the house, whatever it is that was kind of keeping you afloat. And all of a sudden it was time to re-examine your core needs and wants. Right. And so I agree with you. It was just, it was like the 
the great contemplation, which for some people was like, I've been putting up with a lot of BS in this job. <laughs> I cannot put up with yeah. BS while homeschooling. I'm losing my mind. Yeah. So, and even if they didn't resign in May of 2020, they made up their mind then mm -hmm. that this was temporary until they could find something better. Yeah. Um, so do you think, I mean, lots changed in the last few months. Um, you know, there are places that are dying to hire and there are other places, you know, that, that are doing layoffs. Like talk yeah. to us about the yeah. job market as you see it today. And like, do you yeah. think the great resignation's over? What do you see is happening right now in the it's, world of jobs? Yeah. It's interesting. That interesting question, because Liz, I have the perspective of being in this like career world for now 30 years. So I've seen yeah. so many cycles. Yes. Yeah, so many things that have happened and people go, oh, the sky is falling, you know, and um, I'm sorry, sitting there talking to people in mm -hmm. 2009 who didn't even have a clue about how to network um, mm -hmm. or anything to get a job and there were jobs were scarce. And so it's just interesting to see the different cycles because I think we're just in another, yet another cycle. Yep. But um, how do I see this? You know, I... Part of me thinks that you always have, at the same time as hiring, you have the, you have layoffs happening. While some businesses are being grown up and started up in someone's garage, over there, some businesses are being shut down and closed. Yeah. I mean, this is just the nature of the beast, and it's always going to be the case. What's, I know this sounds very philosophical and doesn't really answer the question. I am not trained as an economist. And even the economists will tell you that what they do a lot of times is voodoo and guesses, you know? So what, what do they know? We're in a bubble. We're having inflation. We're having, you know, mortgage rates and interest rates rise, all of that. Will that trickle effect happen? Uh, war in Europe, all of this stuff could have some de deleterious effect and we may end up at any moment, they're not hiring anymore. You know, we might be in a limited hiring bubble. But in the area where I live in central Texas, the unemployment rate is ridiculously low and they mm -hmm. are screaming for talent. They want talent. So hiring is still hot. If you want to make a move, you probably want to make a move to something that could possibly be, I don't even know, is there such a business as a recession-proof business? No. But. <laughs> yes, I, I believe there are. Things like uh, accounting firms are doing incredibly well. People have to get their taxes done. So there are, and and, uh, and medicine goes on, healthcare, medicine. right? Yes, but some of that gets outsourced too. True. Um, for instance, who could have predicted that Zoom and, you know, high-tech platforms that enable productivity working from home to be like the thing that would happen, you know, and the pandemic that that was the sure business to go work for. It's fair to say that, you know, the one thing that is constant is that things are constantly changing and it just seems yes. to be faster and faster. Yes. So oh, yeah. and adaptability <laughs> is a huge, <laughs> yeah. huge uh, asset to have. Yeah. So I think ultimately too, it comes down to really having the going back to stressing the importance of assessing. Mm -hmm. If you understand what you do that creates value and you get highly engaged and you understand and you have enough awareness about your 
impact that you've mm-hmm. made and the results that you've gotten doing that work, whatever that work is, that area of expertise or multiple areas of expertise that you can do. Mm-hmm. If you got that and you understand that core of you, you can pivot and modify and adapt accordingly. And that's what I find a lot of times. So maybe if you're making a career change that's dramatically different and takes a new skill set, then you have a skills gap and you have to fill that gap and you have to figure out how to fill that gap. But most of the people I work with don't really need to go through that extensive skills gap change. Mm -hmm. Like I have this core thing I do and how can I pivot it and repackage it or remessage it? So that others in the market can see, even though they're in a different industry, that I could do this for them too. I can Mm. do this thing I show up and do. So you help them get their story straight, right, Angela? Yeah. In effect, like a gentleman I worked with who was in the semiconductor chip manufacturing industry and the recession in 2009, he got, you know, kicked out with the the whole department was laid off and he was just totally out of work. And he, he was sitting down with me, he said, you know, I really love equipment manufacturing. I just don't want to be in this particular equipment manufacturing industry anymore. It's too volatile. So what we did with his resume is we removed some of the information that kind of bogged it down with the jargon Mm -hmm. of semiconductor chip manufacturing industry and instead talked about manufacturing equipment in a general terms, lean manufacturing, Mm. Six Sigma, all the things that you need to know and understand about logistics and supply chain and the business and operations of equipment manufacturing. So we basically raised the level of the resume to a little bit more generic wording, but Mm. yet still enough that anyone who read it could see that he knew his stuff and he had successes. It's just, we weren't using all the chip stuff, the chip words and manufacturing words. And he called me from his new job when he got hired. And he said, I just wanted you to know that resume worked. And I said, really? That's great. He (laughs) says, yeah, I'm sitting here at the desk and I'm seeing a stack of resumes that they um, had from this. And I'm looking through these and there's some really good candidates in here. And I asked them, what made you decide to work with me mm-hmm. and hire me uh, when you have all these great candidates? And he said, they said, well, we could tell from your resume that you would get our business. The company that hired him manufactured refrigeration and fr- freezer equipment for restaurants. So walk-in freezers, walk-in coolers, mm-hmm. ice cream, soft serve, ice cream makers, that kind of thing. So it was equipment manufacturing, but it was more stable equipment manufacturing. Mm-hmm. He was super happy. But you see what I mean? That you can actually retell your story in such a way that someone can understand it if they're not in your field. Yes. yes. Well, and especially if you're look. I mean, if you want to go back to the chips, you talk all chips. You use all the chippy words because that shows you're one of them. But if you're looking to get out of the chips, you stay away from the chippy words because the non-chippy people don't know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're talking to someone who's going to hire you that understands the business that you're coming from, you don't Mm -hmm. really have a shot because they don't understand. It's like a different language you're speaking to them. And so you need to make it where they get it. (laughs) Yeah. Spoon feed it to them. (laughs) anytime you can try you know anytime you can try something out like as a side gig or a part-time job when you're trying to make a big move it's super smart because you can test it before you invest a lot of money yes 
Definitely. And you can always, even if it, you know, it would great be great if you could monetize it and you can make some money from it, of course, but you don't have to. I tell people this all the time. I say, look, if you get a new certification in something, but you don't have practical experience, that's not going to mean a world of anything to the HR people. And they want to see the experience too, or the hiring manager, because you're stacked up against all these people with experience. But if you can go just find a friend who's starting up a business or find a nonprofit who's, you know, needing the assistance and go volunteer to do something. It doesn't matter. You can still put it on your resume, even though you didn't get paid for it because it's practical experience. They don't know. And it's answers, right? It's answers to those behavioral questions. Tell me about the last time you built a budget. Well, when I was treasurer of XYZ nonprofit, I had to build the whole budget with this and that and the other thing. And oh, look at you have budgeting experience. Absolutely. Yes. So it's a great place to get experience. Yeah. And it's not just from those nonprofits. It could be a professional association in your field too. I've come across it a lot where an individual is frustrated because they're not getting leadership experience in their organization where they work. And they really are wanting to get that leadership experience so they can take their career to the next level. Mm -hmm. I say to them, hey, go look at a professional organization. There is a professional organization for every trade out there. Mm -hmm. So there's probably one for you or maybe multiple ones. Like if you're an event planner. There's like three different organizations you can join. Anyway, you go and you volunteer for them. Get on a committee, lead a committee, Mm -hmm. get on their board, volunteer, get some leadership, practical experience, put that on your resume. (laughs) And if you're feeling stagnant in your career, that's a great thing to do too. I got really active. I felt really stagnant career-wise. I got really active nonprofit-wise. And, you know, spread my wings and even was, a mm-hmm. you know, the chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really pushed me to show that I could be a leader. Yes. And I don't know that if I hadn't been the head of the board of that nonprofit, I don't know that I would have the job I have today. Um, and on top of that, the connections, going back to making connections. I've yes. seen this many times, but I remember one time witnessing this in-person, live, in front of me happening where I'm at the board meeting. This is where I was with the HR organization and I was on, I was a VP of career development and I was attending the monthly board meeting and there happening before my eyes was a fellow board member who was over some other area in the organization, unemployed and looking for a job, talking to another board member who was hiring. And she's like, no, really? You're looking right now? get your resume to me immediately. Now, these are people who knew each other, who actually had worked with each other on the board and knew of each other's work ethic, personality, character, et cetera. So he had a definite in because they knew each other from, and they had experience having worked with each other on a volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. I saw it there in action happening. And he did get hired by the way, by that company. Yeah. Uh, the, more, the more we can expand our networks, the better when it comes to job searching. For yeah. sure. So that's a secret. And it's a secret to recession proofing your, your career. It's best to be not someone who, you know, they, they have this old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. It's what you know, it's who you know, and it's who knows you. So if there's a way for you to make yourself known by being present with people, by making connections, by connecting other people and being a connector, by mm-hmm. getting on LinkedIn, you 
you talked about branding and using social media for branding. I can tell you the number one way to do that is to actually comment on those things that make you come across as someone who has, who can become possibly a thought leader in mm-hmm. your field. I, there was a woman I was working with who is trying to change her career and through personal experience, she actually um, became very passionate about women's health and the technology field in women's health. I didn't even know this was a thing, but there's a thing called Femtech and it's women's health technology and it's called Femtech. And so on her profile, in her headline, she said Femtech enthusiast as the very first thing she had in her headline. And then all on her activity feed on LinkedIn, it's she attended this panel about the Femtech something or another symposium, symposium and she made comments and she friended people who are, are mm-hmm. connected with people in the Femtech space. So when you look at a profile, you see her name, Femtech enthusiast, and the activity stream, which is right under that meta box on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. all the stuff about Femtech. And then she found an organization that she could join and volunteer with in the mm-hmm. femtech space and women's health. And that she moved to the experience section on my advice. She put it on there in the experience section instead of the volunteer section. So she was creating this new brand about herself sure. around this passion that she was pursuing. And if anyone was searching for femtech, guess who came up in the yes. search? Because Boolean yes. and keywords are real and used every day. Yes. Hey, Angela, I feel like we could talk to you just forever. Um, mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I want to quickly talk to you a little bit about uh, video interviews. What? Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. We had a conversation a couple months ago offline, and I, I just wanted to follow up with that and tell me what you're up to with that. Yeah. So I think um, video interviews, video CVs, is it's, it seems kind of faddish a while back as I looked into it and not many people were doing it, there wasn't a lot of things going on, but what we've seen is an uptick in employers using video for hiring. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of asynchronous video stuff happening where you apply for the job and they'll have you do assessments. And now they're having you do a video. Like you have to answer their pre-screen questions in video format. Yep. And I'm actually supporting, I was working with an individual recently, a, a colleague doing um, a CEO search. And one of the things he was telling me he was doing was actually recording his conversation with the individuals that he were making it through the cut. So then he could share it with the selection committee on the board of this organization and they could be exercising on their bike and listening to the recorded video. They could be mm-hmm. in the office and they could play the video and watch it. So it was con- very convenient for the decision makers in the company. So video is just getting hotter and hotter. And the more that the zillennials are using it and the more TikTok is happening, the more and more I think videos is is kind of like a thing that's here to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, a video resume is an interesting term because I don't know if that's really technically what it is. I think it's just a term that we use, Kat, just because it's convenient, but because it makes it sound like what you're doing is you're saying what you would say on your, like, I'm reading my resume to you on camera. (laughs) That's not really what it is. I think it's really more an introduction of yourself. It's kind of like the response to, to, so tell me about yourself. Um, It's like the 90 second pitch, you know, and you really don't want it to be much longer than 
mm-hmm. um, 90 seconds to two minutes anyway. Nope. So I think that's really becoming hot. Now, you really need an edge <laughs> to stand out. And a video, if done well, could really help you. And I mean, you could get someone to interview you and have that as a video, or you can just shoot it where you're talking to a camera mm-hmm. and then go from there. But we we really know that companies are really loving this and especially recruiters. Anything to make things more smooth and create less friction. And I know for some people, this feels like, who are job seekers, this feels like increased friction. <laughs> okay, well, you're making me take an assessment. Oh, yeah. you know. This is the introvert's nightmare, like, of having to, like, turn it on for the video and other people's like, yeah, no problem. So <laughs> I do think that video, you have to be careful with video to, to avoid yeah. bias mm-hmm. and to be aware that some people are great charmers and full of poo and other people are introverts well, and yeah. awesome. That's just like the best interviewer isn't necessarily the best candidate for the for job. Sure. How many times have we had that conversation with hiring managers, right? A oh million. gosh. Yes. A million. But, yeah. But I think, I think the point is, you know, we're in a world where we might as well start getting a little bit more comfortable with video because it's being required. Yeah. I mean, I had nine Zoom meetings yesterday. You kind of have to bring it a little bit more on video, I think. You project. You have to project and you you have to be on, right? And so oh, yeah. I recently taught a class through um, Zoom on um, three sessions, two-hour sessions each day. And actually found that so much easier to do than to stand in front of a class for six hours and teach that same class that I used to teach. But you still, you have to be on, you have to, it's a different type of engagement and so forth. But we're not even talking about interactive video. We're talking about, it's just you talking to a camera. Mm -hmm. And that's not, not everybody has that skill set or that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think that you could probably, get more creative with it. You don't have to just be talking ahead to the camera. Um, and if you are someone who does the behind the scenes type of work and you don't have a lot of comfort zone in front of a camera, there are things you can do to make a video more interesting. And there's so many different sites out there that offer video yeah. making capability. I came across one that was really cool called Biteable, and I think they're fairly new. They had actually even had a good article on doing video resumes and had examples of the, all oh, these cool. CVs. Yeah. But Biteable is a video making company where you can have a free, you know, if you don't mind having their little, you know, watermark on your video, you can actually use them for free and they have all these templates and you can go in there and you know, put your messaging in it and stuff. And so, of course, they've designed this for marketing purposes because companies that do marketing know video makes it. Video yeah. is where it's at. You know, awesome. it, you get more engagement from customers through video. So for anyway, sure. it's an interesting twist of where things are going if we use video. For sure. For sure. And if it's free, that might be a good place to practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Angela, please tell our listeners how they can find you and maybe give us websites and take it from here. Plug away. I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, And then of course my website, if anybody wants to actually schedule a free consultation with me, they can just get on the phone for 15, 20 minutes and talk about their resume or whatever is they need. And I have an online calendar right on the front page of my website where they can click the calendar Mm -hmm. comes open and they can book some time. 
Fabulous. Well, gosh, awesome. it, was, it was really fun to talk to you tonight. And um, I wanted to connect the two of you and our listeners with you, Angela. So if you need your resume done, reach out to Angela. She's fabulous. My clients have been super happy who I've referred to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. It was fun. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thank you. You guys are doing such a great job with this. Aww, keep thanks. keep it going. Keep it going. People need the information you guys are curating and sharing with everyone. So awesome. Thank I'm you. so happy and privileged to be part of it. Thank you. And until next time. This is Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and real job talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Facebook and Instagram at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kathleen Nelson Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat. And on LinkedIn, I'm Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm Liz B. Consult. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is produced by John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And thanks for joining us. Until next time.